just back under our study about the attributes of God. And we've, we've looked at so far his internality, that he's all-powerful, that he's sovereign. And then last week, if you remember, I decided it was, it was so glorious, I shared the attribute of God of his holiness last week during the Sunday sermon. So now we're going to look at something that it's ultimately true and something that it should really, the more we understand it, the more we understand all these things, right, the more secure it makes us, the more content it makes us in our God. We're going to look at his immutability. Just simply means he's unchanging. It's impossible for God to change. He does not change. He is the same. He always has been, is now, and always will be. So as we look at this, just, you know, a couple overarching virtues that just tell us this simple truth. But before we start, just want to do one, one verse from the Old Testament and one from the New. And then we're, then we're really getting into this about God's immutability. But turn to Malachi chapter 3. Just, you know, it, the Bible is right. We're not, we could, you know, it's just like any attribute. We could do an exhaustive study of it, but, you know, honestly, I mean, really, you could write a, a huge book of ev about every one of them. But in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. That's one of the things, because he changes not, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. But the big overarching thing that goes with ours, right, is the truth. For I am the Lord, I change not. Right? I'm immutable. I change not. Let's go to corresponding with that, because we also know how great... Scripture builds on Scripture. Doctrine builds on doctrine. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. And in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, we read of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, and elsewhere in Scripture, when he says, right, I am the, you know, I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last, right? He who was and is and, and will ever be, always be, right? God, he changes not. Now, to get in a little more of that, to understand that, right, that God is unchanging. What does that mean? It's overall encompassing. He's unchanging, in his being, in his person, his nature, his character, his mind, every one of his attributes. You know, right? He has always been, is now, and will always be holy, 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 all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal, right? All-wise, all-present, right? Gracious, and there's something we were like, right? Gracious. Full of loving kindness, right? All these things he has always been, is now, and always will be, with no change. You know, and I want to mention one thing real quick. There's a doctrine, it's always been out there, but I find it amazing they even had to address it. 
as early back as in 2000. But it's gaining more steam and it's still supposedly talked at by supposed theologians. And they use different words. I'll use the main word a lot of us understand it by, but open theism. Or uh, open God. Whichever way you want to hear it, what it basically says is they have a different understanding. First of all, I want to talk about, as it goes with Arminianism, our salvation, right? That, well, you know, God's given man free will. So, you know, God doesn't actually know everything. It's contingent upon what man does and may do and may not do, and so on and so forth. I'll just say this, no matter how it goes in there, if you ever hear any teaching that tells you that God changes at all, it's a lie. I don't care how sincere they are. They're wrong, and it's a heresy. They don't mean to spread that, but it just, it, just imagine for a moment, does the God of Scripture ever indicate that he changes? We just read it, right? I change not. Therefore, you're not consumed. You're saying, right, my loving kindness I poured upon you. You, you can read the whole context of it, right? So it'll consume you because also, even though I'm a God of justice, right, I'm also... I'm also a God of mercy. He doesn't change, right? But we're going to look further into that, but I just want to go a quick thing, call it call it like a, at least a yellow flag right away. To know this, you walk away from this from, from today when the immutability of God, any teaching that would ever say he changes his mind, his nature, uh, he doesn't know everything, anything that would attack any of his attributes, you know it's false, no matter what kind of scriptures they try to pull out of context or what kind of scriptures they try to focus on, right? We can never divorce scripture from other scripture, right? The clear teaching is God changes not. And we'll take a look at that, right? What it is is these people, and I think some of them, but I, I honestly don't know their hearts. I don't know why they're teaching what they're teaching. I can assume, I can guess, but God knows their heart, and he knows exactly why they're saying what they're saying, but we must have a high, lofty, majestic view of God. That's when we talk about here all the God, all the time. The higher our view of God, right, it helps us keep from those errors. Because all error in some way impinges upon our knowledge of God, right? It, it impinges in one way on the attributes of God. A famous theologian named Thomas Watson back I think it's nearly 500 years ago now. He wrote his doctrine and he... Oh, no, no, I, I'm actually thinking of something else. He's, he's got a good treatise. Go to BibleBB.com and find Thomas Watson and it's on there. I can't remember the name of it. But he does a real good treatment of the attributes of God. But Calvin, in his... I want to say magnum opus? Or in his Institutes of Religion, he starts off with the attributes of God. All scripture, everything starts with the attributes of God, his character, his being, his perfectness, his majesty. Because the more we get that cemented into us, right, it helps open up the rest of scripture to us in a much more in a much richer way. Right? Just think of that. He cannot increase. That's what some of these people do. He does not increase in knowledge because that means he's not perfect right now. But he is perfect. But we know that. The scriptures are plain about that. He's perfect in everything. So how, how can he not know everything? That means there's something he doesn't know. There's something he cannot do. 
That, that, that's irresponsible and ridiculous, according to Scripture, to be kind with the words I'll use. You know, right? He cannot decrease because, of course, that means he stops becoming perfect. He changes, right? We just read that in two places, right? Our Lord, right? Old Testament, New Testament. Make it clear, he changes not. Okay. <laughs> because if he could dis decrease, right, that means that, you know, he would obviously, you know, become less than he is, and then we could not rest in him any longer, could we? How could we know all his promises in Christ, for instance, are yes and amen, unless he changes not? Unless he has the knowledge, the power, the wisdom, right, to carry out his will. Right. But I want to focus on, on a few things right now, considering this. You know, it's a vast thing, but just consider, right, every attribute we have talked about, we will talk about, everything about God, his character, his being, his perfections, everything is encompassed in that verse. I am the Lord, I change not. Right. So first, he's unchanging his character. Malachi 3, 6, we read there. But go to Psalms 102. And again, this is just, you know, <laughs> a, a sampling, right? But we'll, we'll just see what the, what, what the Lord would, would say to, you know, these people in any way, saying that, you know, somehow, you know, in a lot, I want to say one other thing. A lot of this in one way or another almost boils down to man having a low view of God, and a much higher view of themselves than they ought to have than what's true. And they want to, they somehow want to hold on to some power in themselves. They call it free will. And we've talked about that many times here. Nowhere, not one, actually the scriptures do plainly say man does not have a free will. Man will freely do what he desires to do. And unless God in his grace comes along, Right, and opens our eyes and reveals himself and goes to a new heart, right, and reveals his son to us, right, <laughs> we will just do our own selfish, sinful thing as we always did before we ever knew him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You will freely, you will freely give unto the Lord. Yeah. 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 Well, and elsewhere, right, it plainly tells us in Romans 9 we've talked about that. And it doesn't have to, it's not just talking. I mean, it's relating. He's specifically going to salvation because, and then that's the most important thing for all of us in our lives, right, is, you know, are you saved? You're right, you're saved or you're not. But also he says, right, it's not of man who runs or man who wills. What is he saying? I mean, you, you could literally put in there, it's not man's free will. It's not what man freely chooses. But God has mercy on whom he has mercy, hardens whom he hardens. It's so plain. They just want to, skip over it. Or they'll say, well, he's talking about a, nash, a nation there. 
or a people group. Oh, so it applies with an entire nation, and there's no individuals in that nation. I mean, just think, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Okay, Psalm 102, starting in, let's start in verse 25. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. Verse 27, But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. In other words, what he's saying there, right? He changes everything. You'll change it, right? We get old, you know, things in nature get old, right? But he, right, does not change. He'll, he does not change. Now, a real nice one we're, we're all familiar with, uh, I don't think it's been that long since the last time you went through James, Mike, but James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, cometh, is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variable no variableness, right? No shifting, no, no changing, right? There's no variables here. It's the same. It's fixed. There's no, no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, right? He does not change. He is fixed in his perfection, in his being, in his character. Remember, it tells us, right? You know, God cannot lie. You notice the scripture doesn't say he doesn't lie. I mean, of course it does, right? But what does it specifically say? He cannot lie. Why? Because it would be against his nature. He cannot lie. He's truth. He's truth and pure and holy. He cannot lie. He would have to change his person, change his very being, in order to tell a lie. You know, now man can, right? <laughs> We know that, but just some things, you know, in his character, right? We'll just look at that. But let's go on to also where it talks about it, unchanging civically in his word. And that's so important for us because he gave us his word. That's how he reveals himself to us and his statutes, you know, and his character and his being. He's, he's revealed to us everything that he has deemed, that deemed to reveal to us. Right? And those, those very things contained in Scripture, he says, they make you complete. You are thoroughly equipped now. Right? Everything I've given you, right, the better you know it, right, the better it will grow, the more edified we'll be. But he says in his word over and over again, it is all we need. There is no, no revelation of God. It's not that he's told us everything, but he's told us everything he's deemed necessary for us to know. And we're not supposed to try to search anything out because the very best, the best we could do is, well, maybe. Right? And why be lost in maybes or in our own understanding when there's, when everything we need is right here? Uh, but go to Numbers chapter 23. You like it a lot, you know, uh, <laughs> maybe some of you think this way, but I had an old friend of mine and I still pray for him when I I think when we even visited our church for a little while, but then he left, and he even said to me, Howard, think you used enough word there? 
in coming and, and I think Mike and Dean, we've we've all heard things like that. It's funny because even even uh, Brother Connor over there mentioned me one time. You know, our sermons are pretty much just the Word of God. You know, for the most part, they are. Because Mike and I remember you said it years ago, but it's so true. You come to this church, we have nothing to offer you of ourselves. All we can offer you is the Word of God. And and counsel from it, you know, example from it. Right? We offer you the Word of God. I mean, would you rather me give one verse and then I talk about myself or how this is like an airplane or this is, you know, give me some... The older people understand this, some Andy Griffith on the porch type, you know, speaking. Or would you rather we go to the Word and then just expound some upon that, but go back, okay, what else does the Word say here? You know, just so we're sure we understand it correctly. But Numbers 23, <laughs> I wrote down 19, but I wonder if i got to start there. Okay, nope, this is it, okay. 23, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. So there's another thing. What does that say about man? Us. Well, we do. Maybe, you know, we have, maybe we shaded the truth. Maybe we leave a little bit out, you know, whatever it is, right? But he's telling us, right? God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Or he doesn't do anything wrong. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Right? Both those are rhetorical, right? I mean, hath he said, and he shall not do it? Well, of course not. Anything he says, he does. Right? And anything he has spoken, he'll make it good. Anything. Right? And let's go on to, you know, Psalms 119, which we talk about all the time here. Uh... What is it? I want to say it's 26 other books. Do you know Psalm 19 by itself has more verses in it than like 26 or 28 separate books of the Bible? And it's a psalm. It's like the, the, the height of the psalms, of David's psalm writing, right? 176 verses. I mean, think about that. In a lot of the books we read, right? I mean, you could read actually a third. I mean, you could read several of the epistles faster than you can read Psalm 119. But it's all about the Word of God. And it speaks so much of it and how powerful it is, but it's, you know, our comfort that it's unchanging. We can know that this same God, everything He said in the past is true now. Everything He said He'll do for us, He will do. Everything He said He's going to accomplish, He will accomplish. And we can rest in that. But Psalm 119, verse 89 Verse 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You know, so he starts out there, and you know, just like Psalm 119 and Psalm 19, right? His word, right, all his judgments, everything he said about his attributes, everything he said about his law, everything he has said is written down, and it is settled. It is fixed. It cannot, it does not, it will not change. Because our God, who is behind it, right? And our Lord's a word in the flesh, is sovereign over all the universe, right? So anything he says, you know, is truthful and will not change. But Psalm 89, right? Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. 
Go on, just go on a, a few verses, well, you know, several verses, but to, to verse 152. Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. Right, he's founded them, he's put them in place, right? They will not move, they're there forever. Psalm 160, Psalm 119, verse 160. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Sounds pretty plain to me, right? Forever. I like that word. Uh, one of my favorite Old Testament books, I love Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40. And see, they'd agree with these people that, you know, Something about God changes. He, he changes his ways depending on man's behavior because he doesn't know everything that's going to come along or, or he's got to react to what man does in some way or another. Isaiah 48, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. All right, so when you think of that all-encompassing, right, everything he has ever said, Everything he says he's going to do, everything he's determined's going to happen, has happened, is happening, or will happen. <clears throat> A few others in that about the word, when you think of how all-encompassing that is, right? Everything we have in this Bible is true and will endure forever. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. For verily I say unto you, you know, truthfully I say unto you, our Lord's making a point here. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. By the way, I was uh, looking upon that, and I looked it up like a jot is the smallest thing in the Jewish alphabet. It'd be, I believe, like like an apostrophe or a, a little apostrophe mark. So that, and then a tittle would be like for us just one little add-on to a letter. Like for instance, you know, when we have our, when we have, for instance, uh, a small letter L. Well, it becomes a capital P when we just add one thing to it. That's what he means. The smallest thing. In other words, none of my word will pass till all fulfilled. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, let's uh, remember that too in Scripture, right? You know, if they do not speak according to this word, there's no light in them. Got to be careful, careful about what we hear and what we listen to. Luke chapter sixteen. Again, and we know all. You know, we know all. All the word of God, right? It you know is, you know, has all the same authority in that. But you know the fact. You know, it's good to pay attention to what did our Lord say when He was here walking on earth with us. Well, Luke 16, just like, you know, we quoted him in Matthew 5, 18. Luke 16, 17, 
And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Pretty plain. Pretty plain, right? Nothing will change, right? He's unchanging his word. And last but not least, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, we'll start in 24. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Right. And I love that too, right? <laughs> then he just gets into on the verse, verse two, right? He's just saying, "Lay aside, you know, walk righteously." It kind of goes with Romans twelve one and two, but First Peter two one and two. Look at that too. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Amen. But now, okay, we see he's unchanging his character. He's unchanging his word. You know, we see all these same words forever, forever, settled. You know, it's fixed, right? It's, it's in there, but he's also unchanging in all his plans. In all his plans that he has set forth to do. But let's go to Psalm chapter 33. Psalm chapter 33. And... We'll start in verse 8. Psalm 33, verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. What's he saying there, right? So these people want to say that he, like, reacts to people or... You know, he does this or that. He has a different plan or whatever, right? That he's at, almost he's at the mercy of man's behavior in some way. That's what he's saying there. So the counsel of the heathen, right? What, what, man, what a man, what men are planning to do, right? And they're all their devices, right? They're none effect. And why? Verse 11. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Those are all forever, you know, all forever, you know. Use a word you don't see, but fixed, right? I mean, it is it is so plain. But let's go on from there and, and look at Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, right? And it, we may have our own plans. We may think we're doing our own thing, whatever it is. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Pretty plain, pretty plain in, a, in, in my simple understanding. Uh, let's go back into Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14 Isaiah chapter 14, starting in verse 26. 
This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? It's rhetorical, right? No one. Right? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Right? Well, no one. Right? What he hath purposed, he will do. And no, nothing or no one will stop him. Amen? But let's go on to Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46. <laughs> Isaiah 46, starting in verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There's <laughs> a lot there, but I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. Now, why can he do that? What does he mean by that? We've talked about it before in talking about his attributes of sovereignty because he counseled the divine counsel in the very beginning before he started creating. But God had a divine counsel. They were to determine everything that would come to pass. God's decree. And because why, right? He, he declares the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Right? Whatever the Lord, Lord desires, right? He does. On earth is in heaven. And none can stay his hand. And it, it, he doesn't go along with his, whatever his created order does and goes, whoa, that one caught me off guard. What am I going to do now? Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, imagine, apart from the grace of God. That's what I love that song. We sing it quite often here. I'm sure we all know it any length of time here, right? But I love that line, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I am constrained to be. The more we understand who God is, the more we'll appreciate and love him and appreciate all he's done for us because he saved us in spite of ourselves. Like I said, if salvation was up to me, I would lose it. I'd never come to him. And I'd, I'd fall drastically away in no time at all, as all of us would. Think about it, even the religious. Think about where they go wrong in that. They can outwardly live righteously. They can desire that. But somehow they think they can live good enough to... Be saved by God. That they, they can do enough works that, okay, I can stand forever in the presence of a holy God. 
They don't understand God at all. He had to do everything to make it so that we could have eternal life. Apart from him and his son and his finished work, right, and the Holy Spirit, we would have no hope whatsoever. It's all of God. Always has been, always will be. You know, uh, let's go to Ephesians 1.11. And some of these verses, and you know, we've talked about and other attributes and that, but it's so important to get a grasp on things because sometimes we can read scriptures and we use them, and they're really strong in enforcing particular areas of doctrine or particular matters, but then sometimes we might divorce it and not realize that it's, it goes much deeper than just that one subject we're talking about. But in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, in whom also, right, in Christ, we have attained an inheritance, being predestinated, and this is true, this is talking about our salvation, and we know we're secure in him, but catch this, right? Being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh, what? Who worketh some things, right? Who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. All things. And in that place, that word all means all. All things. Remember, he tells us before, not even to help encourage us and understand that he's our loving Heavenly Father, he says, you know, not even a sparrow falls to the ground. In other words, not even a sparrow dies apart from his will. So how much more the weightier matters that we, that we go through and think of? If, he says that in the snow that he's in charge of the, the age of the sparrows, right? He holds everything together. He's determined our boundaries. I'll, I'll tell you what. I know when he's when I'm going to go home, when he returns, or the day, the hour, the moment that he's already determined for me. That's why as Christians, we don't have to fear death at all. Praise God. It's been defeated. right? He, we have eternal life. Well, that we'll, we'll get it someday. Are you believe in him? Well, we have eternal life. Amen? Another great promise, right? That's a promise of his, right? It's settled in heaven. But all things. But let's go on to this idea about, well, he reacts to man's plan or somehow God has a plan B, C, and D in the network just in case, you know, uh, his creation doesn't cooperate with him fully. And see how ridiculous that is. But go to Romans chapter 11. And I say the word ridiculous, I'm being real nice there because really, whatever their meanings are, it's just grossly heretical. To attack the nature of God and to make him more like us. Romans 11, beginning in 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And I love that exclamation point, right? I mean, <laughs> how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out, exclamation point. Right? I mean, make a point here. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Right? Question mark. 
Who have been his counselor? These are rhetorical. No one knows the mind of the Lord except what he's revealed to us. Amen. But who has been his counselor? Well, of course, no one. Who knows something? Who's going to tell, you know, like there's strength in counsel numbers. Me and Mike and Dean might get together and discuss something, right? And together, oh, we might go, you know, I didn't think of that. I didn't look at it that way or that. Is there something God doesn't know? Is there something God's going to say? Oh, Howard, I'm so glad you brought that to my attention. I mean, that's just, it's ridiculous when you start thinking it out. It's good to science a lot because God looks at these things and he looks at sinners and all their plans and how they're overthrown. And then he just laughs in scoffs, right? God will not be thwarted. It's not like there's stuff going on that, that God hasn't determined. We just don't understand it all. But verse 35, who have first given to him? And it should be recompensed unto him again. Right? Well, no one's given him anything. You know, we, we, we give offerings, we give certain right? Of a small part of what he's already given us. I mean, you know, we don't give him anything. It's and it should be recompensed unto him again. He doesn't owe us anything. He he gives us rewards for our service. Don't don't forget that. That has nothing to do with salvation. But he doesn't owe us those rewards. It's because he's gracious and loving and benevolent. Those are all parts of his character that's always been, is now, and always will be. For of him, and through him, and to him, are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? The great doxology, right? What wonderful praise to God, right? He says elsewhere, right? Your ways are not my ways, right? Your thoughts are not my thoughts, right? He is so far above us. You know, I talked about that when it's holy, 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 he's separate, but not just that, right? It's the one attribute that's given the superlative in Scripture itself. You know what, though? Love, love, love. God is love, but it doesn't say he's love, love, love. God is all-powerful. It doesn't say he's all-powerful, powerful, powerful, but he says it. He's holy, holy, holy. He's majestic, glorious. He is so far above the, his created order. His created order. There's God. There's everything he created. That's it. And he is so far separated from us, but he has graciously decided those of us that he did to set his love upon us and bring us to himself. It's a truly amazing. These people that says that, you know, somehow he's not, but... This plan, this, this goal of God, right, through all the whole, all the decrees of God, right, there is this immutable, fixed, established, eternal purpose and plan of God that moves forward relentlessly. It will not be stopped. There's nothing that's held it back. The, God hasn't changed his timing. Everything's the same as the way he started and the way he purposed it from the very beginning. And that's how he can declare he knows the end. It's not that he looks forward and knows what everyone's going to do. Everyone's going to do what he purposed things out to do. You know, and remember we talked about that before. How do we go that with, it doesn't make us robots. We can't understand that. You listen to people on that. The, the Bible is clear about that. He's an absolute charge. Remember, the answer, the purposes in a man's heart. And the answer from his tongue are from the Lord. How do we reconcile that? You know, because he still holds us responsible for everything we do. He does so in such a way 
that we still make free choices, right? They have consequences. They have eternal consequences at times, right? And we can get rewards or be punished, whatever it is. But he's still in absolute control and working everything out. We just don't understand it. We just don't understand it because we're created, and he's the creator. You know, trying to understand him apart from his word is where everyone goes wrong. It's where we can go easily, so go wrong. Try to figure something out that scripture doesn't explain, but that scripture is clear about. We just can't. Okay. Uh, but we're done. I'll, I'll leave it with this because I, I want to talk more about this, but, right? The greatest thing is it applies to us, right? And understanding is unchanging. Is, and I talk with this all the time, we can rest in him. We can have our joy and our peace and just contentment in this life. The more we understand this, because he's also unchanging in his plan of salvation. In his purposes for us, right? All things work together for good to those who love God. We just close with this. Everyone thinks on it, and we've talked about it many times here. But go to Romans chapter 8. Now leave us with this, and then we'll pick back up here next week, Lord willing. But Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, right? We love God because he first loved us, amen. To them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, and we talked about that, right? He knows everyone. He's talking about, right, those that he foreknew, those that he predetermined, those that he, that he chose to set his love upon in time past. Right? We, were, we talked about that before. From the foundation of the world, before anyone was ever even created, right? He did also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, right, them he did predestinate, whom he foreknew, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. But I, wanna, I want us to think of these things, right? We talk about it all the time. But this unchanging, all-powerful, eternal, holy, right, all-wise, all-knowing, all-truth, right, loving, gracious, merciful God tells us plainly in Scripture that he chose to set his love on us. He then chose to save us. He then called us, and we answer, go to John Chapter 6, right? You will answer that call. Because if you're called, right? Because everyone who's called is justified. The only way you can be justified is if you come to believe in Jesus. And since all who are foreknown, predestined, and called are justified, they obviously all come to him. There's no such thing as you will resist the Holy Spirit. You have the choice to resist the Holy Spirit. right? You, you'll answer that call. Yeah, that's what they mean by that, right? He comes upon you. You'll answer that call. All that were given to Christ will come to him, and he'll raise them up on the last day. In other words, he promises, you have eternal life. If you come to me, you'll answer that call. You, you will, you're given to me, you'll come to me. But it's such a sure thing, he speaks in the past tense of the last thing. And whom he justified, 
them he also glorified. Right? Our final, the ultimate fulfillment of his salvific plan, right? That we be clothed from on high. Right? No more sin. No more sorrow, right? We're, we're, we're violate those new creatures that are inside us. Right? They're all around us. We're, you know, we're new. We're born from above, right? But it's so sure. And this God who cannot change, who will not change, right, has promised it and set it forth and determined to do so. Remember, even those other scriptures we said, it, it's all pertaining particularly to salvation, right? He chose us in Ephesians 1. Just read. He chose us for the foundation of the world. And that we have an inheritance. It's secure. Because he purposed it. And he purposes all things. And all his counsel stands and is carried out. Because no one has the power to thwart it. Not even ourselves. <laughs> so does anyone have any final comments? Okay. Well, Mike, if you could close us in a word of prayer, please. Yes. All have sinned after they were saved, like all of us have. And yet you promised us that it's been covered. It's been appeased. It's been taken care of. Yes, Lord. All of us, past, present, and future. Yes. In the work of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is our hope. That is our security. Amen.